Okay, we're back. It's Chapo coming to you uh, once again uh, from the ongoing state of uh, civil unrest here in America. Um, I just feel since like the last time we've uh, we've we've come to you, it just shit just keeps happening, and I can't. Uh, it would be impossible to uh, lay out for you every single instance of foul shit done by the police at uh, protests or just everything that's going on right now. But just off the top of my head over the last couple of days, I'm sure you, like I have, have seen tons of videos of just, I don't know, uh, cops destroying medical supplies, pulling people out of cars, running them over with their cars, firing rubber bullets at point blank range, uh, just generally beating the shit out of people. Um, at least 15 different military and federal uh, like troop, you know, groups, agencies, some of them including people working for the Bureau of Prisons uh, were de- have been deployed all over the country. Um, uh, all 50 states have experienced uh, some level of protest going on uh, over the last week or so, all 50 states. I think more National Guard troops have been deployed in America right now than that were in Iraq at the height of the war. And what I like about the fact that all 50 states and like almost every every city, small, large, and even those in between, uh, having protest about this is I, I I like it because there is some sort of massive transcontinental exchange program for outside agitators going on right now, where it's like if you're in New York, you got to go to California, and if you're in California, they got to send you to New York. You know, you got to got to got to keep these cops on their toes by just just keeping a sort of a, a revolving carousel of uh, outside agitators just going. From state to state, like uh, Johnny Appleseed, sowing the seeds of a domestic insurrection. Um, I don't know where to begin, but we have a guest for you today. It's our friend Trevor, host of Champagne Sharks, uh, who's joining us. Trevor, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. How's everyone doing? Uh, I was thinking about what you said about the Agitator Exchange Program, and someone should have like an app, like an Agitator Match or something. You can it just, just um, be called ag- Agitator. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. With TR um, at the end. Yeah, exactly. Uh, well, Trevor, I mean, uh, I, wanted to, I wanted to get you on just to uh, just get um, your perspective on just what you've seen yourself uh, just on the streets of Brooklyn here. I know I, I was following you uh, just over the weekend. Uh, it, you know, the, the police precinct in our neighborhood came very close to being completely overrun on what was that, Friday or Saturday night? And, yeah, uh, it was, fri- uh, it was Friday there. night. It was- yeah. So I just uh, just what your perspective on um, like what you saw on Friday and if if you've been to any uh, protests since then, just like uh, what your perspective is and just what you've seen and and heard since then. The night that that protest happened, I was in my apartment and there was um, I was live streaming and then through the noise canceling headphones, I heard a whole bunch of stuff. So it has to be pretty loud for me to hear that. And I took off the headphones and I was like, oh, crap. Um is going on outside. Something's going on outside. So I went on. I went outside, and I'll be honest. I called it totally wrong. I went outside, and there was a lot of hands up, don't shoot, and some say their names, and some Black Lives Matter chants. And I and also, you know what? It was a lot of white people too. And I was thinking, oh, this is like the NPR tote bag crowd. Nothing's really going to happen. It's just going to be like. Um, like a Soul Train line is probably going to bust out or something. I, I thought it would be one of those prayer circle type of things. So yeah. I stayed for about like 20, 30 minutes and stuff. And I said, oh, I don't think it's going to be 
that big because this wasn't an official protest. This was kind of a spontaneous thing, you know. The official protest was like by the Barclays Center. I was waiting to see if maybe the main body of the protest was going to join join that part. But I mean, after a while, I was just like, uh, I don't think anything's going to happen. I'm just going to go back home and and live stream. I'll go to an official protest uh, tomorrow. I think this is just like a small pocket or something that nothing's going to happen at. So then I went back inside the apartment and then basically everything like um popped off i heard there were protesters running all the way up to the door of my building and people in my building ended up letting them in to their apartments and leaving the cops outside and the cops were banging at the building door uh trying to trying to get in so people were like sheltering protesters all throughout the building and and uh there were like videos up that some of my neighbors and people i know um took and yeah people were like bashing cars spray painting them they're like little white girls with baseball bats like trying to hit windows i didn't put any of it up because i didn't want people to be identified even though most people had yeah, yeah. those covid masks on and stuff but yeah it was pretty it was pretty crazy yeah i was supposed to say real quick this is a new breed of white protester this is way different in 2014 2016 like these guys were really like taking it to the cops yeah, no, I mean, like, uh, usually they have all their cars, like, sort of parked on, uh, like, out, out front on the side of the street, and, like, all of those got fucking trashed, like, if, yep. if not, like, set, set on fire. Um, yeah, you mentioned um, uh, people letting protesters uh, into their into their homes and apartments to shelter them from the police. Um, we saw a lot of that going on in Washington, D.C. the other night. We saw a lot of reports of the police using tear gas on people's houses which is like just a whole nother level of chemical warfare because like as bad as it is in the open, it's like if you get that shit inside, it's like impossible to get rid of. It's just like oh, yeah. literally just just gassing people in their homes. I mean, it, it just goes on and on. I mean, like we saw we saw that literal black helicopter shit happening in D.C. where they were flying that helicopter like real like just hovering over a crowd of people like a like under under the twelve story cap in which um, helicopters usually fly. Yeah, yeah. I think in DC you saw cops going door to door, going into people's houses to look for protesters. And uh, somewhere else, I think it might have been somewhere in New England. It was even if people were on their porch, yeah, they'd get fucking tear gas. Yeah, no, I mean it's 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 crazy, especially now that like um like the military has been called into DC and and, and other cities in this country. It was like. We talk a lot about the the First and Second Amendment when it comes to protest and things like that and and uh, standing up to the government. But I never thought we'd enter a Third Amendment scenario in this country. But we seem to be getting there um, when it comes to, you know, quartering troops in your house. Yeah, yeah just crazy? like, I mean, I uh, uh, Matt and I were at, our, were at our protest on Tuesday. Uh, we just sort of randomly ran into each other there. But we, we started out at the Barclays Center and it was sort of an official protest that was organized by um, like local local clergy members and some of the churches in the neighborhood. And then after that, like the, a lot of the crowd broke off and, and walked down Flatbush with the intention of crossing the Manhattan Bridge. And uh, Catherine and I were there and uh, we walked with this group. And it was sort of like by when we got to the end of Flatbush, like the cops had, had set up this big barricade to stop people from crossing the bridge. But then like the, the whole stream of people just sort of went around them and got onto one of the on ramps to the bridge. And sooner or later, it was just filled with people headed into Manhattan. And it was like evening walking across the bridge. And then right at the right at the exit, right in Chinatown, there was like a phalanx of like 200 riot cops. And there was just this sort of impasse where they had us like, you know, 
basically blocked in on both ends of the bridges. And, you know, the protesters, you know, we didn't want to go back. But if they went forward, like, you know, then something violent would happen. And, you know, being on a bridge like that is uh, that feeling of being trapped is is very intense. Like, oh, yeah. On a bridge. Especially on a bridge of all places. Yeah, it was um, it it was really scary. I mean, thankfully, nothing uh, overtly violent happened. I mean, like I said, outside of the fact of the cops trapping a few thousand people on a bridge. Um, But yeah, like we were on that bridge for about two hours on uh, on Tuesday night. And then uh, the the crowd headed back across the bridge, not knowing whether or not they would be arrested at the other end, because the cops, of course, were encamped there as well. And uh, they did let people, like you know, off the bridge, and like they they weren't going to try to arrest everyone. But when we were walking back halfway across the bridge, they just had one of those huge like corrections buses parked right in the middle of the bridge. It was um, it it was pretty fucking scary. I gotta say. Um, I, I, I think I think they create their own problems with a lot of that stuff too, because I left out some important context with the other story. Uh, when I f- I went down twice, I went down uh, before anything happened, when I thought nothing was going to happen, and then when the screams and everything got worse, I went down again. But at this point, it was the tail end of it. Like there were still people and everything, but apparently all the worst stuff happened, and it looked like a war zone. But what's interesting is when I went down the first time, apparently. The precinct that just they tried to get into it and they got pushed out, right? But there wasn't really that many people there when I first went out. It wasn't that bad. But what they what they did is because you know cops seem to be scared of everything. That's their excuse for shooting people all the time. Like you could be a twelve yeah. year old boy and they'll say, "Oh, he looks like the Hulk," you know. So <laughs> you know they overreact for everything. So they sent basically like while I was standing there, like just about every single cop in Brooklyn. I mean. While I was standing there, so many waves and waves and waves of cops ran by me. So many um, trucks, vans, uh, SUVs sped by. And they were, like, being really dramatic for what was, like, probably at the time, like, two dozen people. And I think it starts having the opposite effect. Like, I think they think it's going to be a deterrence. But people are so hateful right now toward um, just that symbol that I think it actually escalated the situation to where it got to a riot just because having like feeling like you're in that police state right there you know mm-hmm. s- seeing like in like 10 15 minutes the ranks swell from like 10 to like 100 to what looks like multiple hundreds to like you start losing count i think that really is probably what uh set it off like i think they're escalating a lot of the stuff themselves just by a lot of the excess uh displays like that like that that truck i think is very much meant to be psychological it's not even meant just for utilitarian purpose of putting people in it but they know the type of psychological warfare that they're trying to do with it except i think it's backfiring if anything yeah well i mean i don't know i mean it it, it works to a certain degree i'll tell you that yeah. um but yeah like i mean i i uh, trevor i think like the the same very much is true of imposing this curfew you know because it's just like it, it, I, I think that's that that is a, a conscious tactic of like escalation of like when you tell people like oh like you know no one can be on the streets after eight o'clock i mean this is the first time a curfew has happened in new york city since world war ii and i believe the last time that happened was like it was another riot or like a um like an enlisted soldier killed a a black man in harlem and then like that was the last time um the city imposed a curfew was to to just you know clamp that down and then in like i think 1943 but yeah it's just like i know i know did you guys see that 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 photo that was going around of like one of those giant like jumbotrons on top of a building where it was just Andrew Cuomo's face going like, do not break the law. Observe, curf- yes. observe curfew, citizen. 
like uh, and worst just... <laughs> Half-Life 2 mod ever made. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just Awful. like you, you see stuff like that and it's just sort of like I, it becomes like almost a duty to break curfew. Like or it's just like how how can you how can you not violate this curfew if like if they're telling if like if they're telling you at every level like you know yo now is not the time to protest like or like you know there's a time and a place for it but it isn't now. I mean that's like when it be like I mean it makes it more imperative to do so and, and not just that more attractive to do so i mean i think and, and, and plus people have been kind of restricted from covid too covid has people very antsy to um come out because when i went on friday that was my first time stepping out in like a week you know and i think a lot of people now people are going out every day to protest but when the, when those things first started i think a lot of that pent-up uh quarantine energy was really animating a lot of it too for sure i think that mm-hmm. i mean there were a lot of conservatives who made the point and still are of oh wow when people were wanted to go out uh to get their haircut or go to applebee's you said it was unsafe and now you think it's okay to go out uh i mean yeah on a certain level it's true that you're you are risking a spread but also yeah that is more important it's yeah. unambiguously different than just trying to stuff your fat fucking face with jalapeno dippers. And, you know, like, uh, obviously, like, um, a, a, a observing quarantine out of uh, a sense of public safety is, is one thing. And then, yes, go, going out now in mass protests, you know, and on a base level could be seen as a violation of that same uh, ethical or moral principle. But at the same time, allowing uh, this police state to continue unfettered is also a massive public health safe risk. You know what I'm saying? Like a lot of well, people are dying because of the fucking cops too. And it's just like, yeah, I mean, well, like, I mean beyond, beyond what the, 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 the violence the cops have done so far, I mean, we have seen the absolute lack of any kind of plan or, or mechanism to soften the harsh, horrible blow that the, the, the viral pandemic has had on people's lives and is going to have on their lives through collapse of the economy that's only going to necessitate more police uh, coercion to keep people in line because there's going to be less carrot and that means there has to be more stick yeah absolutely but looking down the barrel of that of, of of being told by every person in a high office that yeah nothing's changing we're not we're not in a, we're not even in session in congress we're not planning to do anything because we know you're not going to do anything and if you try we have all these roided up psychos ready to bash your head in and if if, if that means that it is imperative that, that yeah sure you might be wanting to get out of the house but get out of the house to try to make sure that whatever the hell comes next is not the nightmare horror that they're planning for us i mean when we talked last episode about like you know why is it that like when every uh, when every city and state have like slashed their budgets to the fucking bone and like everything else is getting cut back on these fucking police departments still have these massive infusions of money that just never seems to shut off and I think the obvious answer is like that's the way you can that's how you impose austerity at the level that they want to do. It, it's the cops right. that are going to do that. I mean, if we're and I mean, if we're still talking about like threats to public health, uh, prisons have seen some of the greatest outbreak. Prisons and jails have seen some of the greatest outbreaks of COVID. If we're talking about an actual fucking public health hazard, yeah, like mass incarceration has been a huge boon to COVID. Something weird I saw too was at that. Um protest slash riot that happened on friday right here all the cops that showed up none of them had masks on and they were locked arm in arm so it's not like um it's it's kind of weird that everyone's kind of putting it on just the protesters just uh well the conservatives at least this disregard of public health when i was really surprised being that the cops have been out and working 
every day during this. I would think they of all people would be the most scared to be um, two feet from each other, but they formed that kind of blue wall, like side by side, hundreds of them with with no mask on. I've, so I found, I mean, I know when, if and when this thing spikes, they'll try to blame the protesters, but I really think um, the cops would be way more likely to be responsible for, for it based on what I saw with my eyes. Yeah, the NYPD alone, don't they have some crazy, like, double-digit amount of the entire force has COVID? So something like that. I, I, I mean, yeah. you have to imagine with that amount of people, and they're all working nonstop, and everyone's getting their overtime. So, like, to move on from, like, the the, the view here in, in Brooklyn, I guess, like, the, the other amazing thing that happened this week um, in D.C., um, aside from the, you know, deploying the National Guard and, like, this weird sort of, like, patchwork force of uh, corrections officers who work directly for the Justice Department and Bill Barr but won't tell anyone who they are or, you know, whose authority they're uh, uh, being directed by. Uh, yeah, with- it's like a, it's a Delta force of guys who only work out their forearm. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, I mean, th- th- those guys were deployed to clear that square in front of a church across from the White House so that Trump could waddle across the street and hold a Bible. I mean, that was really... I mean, it just, it just I mean, it, I, everyone it's, it's that in the, the Andrew Cuomo Half-Life 2 mod and that and then Trump just holding up a Bible in front Everything of a fucking has, church. Everyone has said it, but it's still to me might be the greatest comedy moment of his entire presidency, which means that there might even be more more to come, which is amazing to even behold. But when he was asked by the reporter, is that your Bible? He replied, it's a Bible. <laughs> <laughs> God. And then even worse than that was fucking Nancy Pelosi's response where she brought out her yep. Bible and started, oh, yeah, started you spitting actual quotes pander. from it. Motherfucker, yeah. I'll show you pandering. Yeah. I'll yeah. pander like you never fucking seen. And that's such a layup. How can you mess that up? That's only Nancy Pelosi can find a way to fumble that. She's the queen of fumbling. She's a she's no bungler uh par excellence. Yeah, like I I mean I started out by talking like just trying to to just list off the top of my head, like the the number of insane things I've seen the cops do on uh, on social media or with my own eyes. And I mean, I haven't been watching TV at all during this. Like, I don't watch the news anymore. But apparently, if you want to watch if see videos of cops just tooling some fu- into some fucking woman with a baton who's just standing on the street, you can only find that on the internet. And I think like at at, at every level, what we're seeing from like the media, both print and and television is just like a nonstop onslaught of copaganda. And I swear to God, like I just keep seeing videos of like cops dancing with protesters or kneeling with them or like hugging people and shit like that. And it's just this like... I'm sorry. I I have so so many thoughts on that. I'm sorry. Go on. Finish. No, no, no. And I was just like, last thing I'll say on this is I'm sure whatever military unit they're they're, they're being being trained right now to quell an urban insurrection is getting an emergency training in like which TikTok dances that they can do. In viral videos that are going to get shared, you know, oh, I'm like, very there's, sure. There's just so many of these like heartwarming, supposedly heartwarming clips of like the police like uh, sympathizing with protesters, and then of course, if you like follow up on the story, like they'll be like the cops will have some like like a viral moment where they all just sort of kneel with the protesters, and then it's like if you follow up the news story like an hour later, they just beat the shit out of everyone in that same crowd. In one case, uh, they kneeled. To kind of, and then while people sort of let their guard down, then they fucking immediately got up and started firing uh, uh, tear gas. At one point <laughs> on the Manhattan Bridge, like, uh, like at, at, you know, at the, the sort of impasse uh, right at the Manhattan exit, 
like you know people were you know cycling through various chants as you know you mentioned earlier trevor and then at at, uh, at, at one point like someone just started chanting like uh, like join us, like march with us, march with us. And then someone, thankfully, uh, from the you know in the crowd, just yelled like "fuck that!" Like we don't want you marching with us. They'd oh, rather thank- kill us thankfully. than fucking march with us. Yeah, we're just like, hey, if you want to march with us, quit your fucking job first. Like I don't want to hear any of this shit about like, oh, like oh, like the the police can be our friends too. Like oh, like they're 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 doing their job. Or it's just like I'm sorry, your your job is so repellent that like you can't get any credibility from like I don't know. Uh, saying that you support these protests or like, oh, like you, you understand in principle what people are angry about or you even share it. But like this idea that like, oh yeah, we want the, we want the cops to march with us. It's like, these are the people firing fucking rubber bullets point blank range into people's heads. Mm. They don't want to march with you. They want to shoot you. I was telling, I was telling somebody that uh, people need to worry less about outside agitators and start worrying about outside accommodators because this was a lot of people <laughs> yeah, who just yeah. coming in from outside to like just just surrender for everybody. Like you know, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. They're just infiltrating with all this hug energy and all this uh, <laughs> yeah, kneel with the cops energy. I'm like, that's that scares me way more than these outside agitators. Like like like, there's this guy. I've been talking about him in the live stream, but you've probably seen him because he's in every pick one foot away from um, a cop. And he's always hugging them or kneeling with them. And and I was like, this guy, so ends up with this guy. And then they found his Instagram. Someone sent it to me today, and it's just him ranting uh, about, you know, all his family members that are cops. And, you know, he's going to become the leader of the protest and all this crazy stuff. So he's basically trying to become a D-Ray 2.0. He's trying to pop in and build a brand off of this. And he has, like, three outfits that he wears. Like, he's trying to trying to figure out what his blue vest is going to be. And he's <laughs> cycling the, out, the, the outfits. Well, speak, yeah. speaking of uh, blue, uh, D-Ray, he's uh, fully in the mix, uh, trying to direct all this energy towards uh, his uh, PR uh, program to... Campaign to Zero. ...cosmetic changes to, to police procedures. Uh to reduce violence by some marginal percentage point and 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 end all of the the conflict well you know it's funny it's not even a marginal percentage point it's a huge percentage point but you have no idea how they came up with it they, they just said it's, very, it's weirdly precise well, i mean they claim that but it's they're pulling it out of their oh, ass yeah, yeah, they're, i mean they're pulling it out of the their ass that, but you know what i like about it to make it sound more realistic they didn't say 70 percent it said 72 percent like that two percent is everything. Yeah, exactly. Like, that means that they actually did, did this shit out of fucking chalkboard. Yeah, they, 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 that means it's real. You know, it. it's not an estimate. It's 70. They should put a decimal on there, too, like 72.4, just to make it sound extra. Yeah. <laughs> and none of it has, any, none, of, none of the proposals have anything to do with actually reducing police's authority or power or the number of them uh, or their impunity. It's, it's mostly just uh, uh, more layers of HR training. Yeah. It, it, it means more jobs for NGOs. But yep, uh, and and a, no, and a thing to point to the next time a horrible uh, violation of civil rights does happen to say, hey, look, uh, we we require de-escalation. So so that means that if this happened, well, then I guess it couldn't be de-escalated because remember we we require de-escalation now. Whatever the fuck that means, it's also vague. It's like a PowerPoint uh, technocratic uh, consultant speak. It's, it's basically PowerPoint slides. You, you know, you know when they say like uh, maximize efficiencies by eliminating redundancies like okay how are you gonna find the redundancies like what does that mean like 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 no one thought of that like you know basically you're saying save yeah. money 
by by not wasting <laughs> stuff. Like, yeah, yeah, putting all those big words on it doesn't make it any more profound. Like, how are we going to do any of this? It's called Eight That Can't Wait. And of course, it's a hashtag. Yeah. You know, and it rhymes. Yeah. And it's eight really digestible things. And he's done like a huge PR campaign. Like, it, this is so orchestrated. I'm going to put my tinfoil kufi on. I'm going to um, <laughs> put it all out there. But in one, in one day, they pull out a GQ article. You guys have a GQ article? Right? No, what was it? No. So okay, I'm I'm trying to like figure out what's going on and it's like this giant scavenger hunt because I keep finding one thing, I open it, it leads somewhere else, and it's just one giant circle. So Obama has that town hall, and in the town hall he has Eric Holder. The two of them are there. All they're doing is just giving a bunch of vague speak and Obama basically did not prep for this thing at all. If you guys said a town hall he just I, came I, I did not. I did not watch it at all because I, I he wrote a medium post about it, and I was like, "Great, thank you, I, thank you, Mr. President. This is what real leadership looks like." And then they did the town hall, but like I, I didn't watch or read anything about it because I was like, I can't imagine anything like less less important right now than what he has to say. And like, oh, what, did, so, did he did he say oh, anything? Oh, did you? Yeah, uh, it was very interesting in like a bad way. Like 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 it was interesting to see how little he cared. I mean. He really wore it on his, on his sleeve how little he cared. I mean, I almost am impressed with his, uh, almost honesty. He, like, it seemed like he just came in off of mowing the lawn and then he was just, uh, he cleaned up real quick, had this to do and he had somewhere to go. He wasn't there for the whole thing. He disappears. He hangs it off. He hands it off to the campaign zero girl who's, uh, D-Ray's partner in this business. And he did the Hillary thing. Like, it's amazing how these people learn nothing. He did the Hillary thing where he's like, and we have these things that we got to do and you have to come here and go to our site. And, and then he keeps mentioning websites over and over again. <laughs> and I'm like, who right now wants to type in uh, a website to go to the website and see what see what's there, right? So what he kept saying was that we had all these plans. He does it in a lot of convoluted language, but he's basically saying we had all these plans. We had this report. Go to the website, download the report. You'll see the report. And, of course, nobody listened. No one listened to our report. And then Eric Holder said all the great things he did. So it wasn't like any real solutions. The, all the solutions were like, I wrote down the words that appeared appeared the most. Uh, but there was uh, ancestors, underground, the work. They said the work about like <laughs> 40 times. There was uh, solutions, visit the website. Like this is all just this vague um, feel good feel good jargon, but nothing uh, concrete at all. I have I actually wrote them down because I, I was gonna make a bingo sheet. There was data, <laughs> reform, policy, website, on the ground, front lines, change, the work, intersectional, systemic, bodies, diverse, <laughs> ancestors, and stay present. And they just kept saying that all every speaker just said different variations of those words. But they mentioned um, the eight that can't wait. So I go to Obama's website. He has the eight that can't wait there. But you have to go to like four or five levels, like Inception. Remember Inception with a dream within a dream? Like <laughs> yeah, this yeah. thing is like a Russian box. I mean, sorry, a Russian doll of just different sites. And then at one point I was taken to another site. I didn't even realize it, you know, and. And you have to go it's like it's five. like when you're trying to watch an illegal stream of an NFL game from like yes. broadcast or Micronesia. You have to click like every li- different link, and like half of them take you to some weird virus. Yeah, that's exactly what it was like. And and this this site looked like a Squarespace site. Like it it just looked like they did it 
just like that Friday. And when you get there, the first thing is to donate to the Obama Foundation. The whole thing is just basically trying to traffic people over there. I think I think he had a slow year in donations to the Obama Foundation. It's all about the Obama Foundation, and there's a pledge for mayors to take on the first page. And in the town hall, he encourages all the mayors to go there and take a pledge. So I went there. I said I was the mayor of New York, um, <laughs> and I, I, I took the pledge. And the pledge was to, was just to read the eight that can't wait. Then, so then, <laughs> and they're like, and then you're like, what's the eight that can't wait? Then you go back to the original website. <laughs> take yeah. back there. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I got. I mean, it's horrible. It, in what his what time has a as a a a president a, a former president's uh, global foundation ever done anything but the best for everyone? Of course, I'm, I'm really looking forward to this this work. There's no way it's just going to funnel. Uh, it's not going to just be a giant money laundering and slave uh, uh, slave trading organization like the Clinton Foundation. Uh, I mean, that's if that's if it, like presidential foundations. They're usually just a way for like the president's second cousin's kids to have a job. Yeah. But, like, if they actually do something, yeah, they're just literally trafficking children. I, yeah. There's no in-between. It's either the Esplanade from The Sopranos. <laughs> yeah. But, like, as far as, like, like, like Obama doing his medium posts and his town hall, I mean, I, I was struck just once again by, like, I mean, like, the guy has been completely MIA for the last four years. But now that it's an election year, like, I have been stunned at like how much he is still the absolute ace in the hole for the democratic party like he he is like their most powerful secret weapon like whether it's you know fixing the primaries but now that like they've got their guy in there trying to tamp down on any energy that can't be funneled back into just voting for joe biden and it just it it all seems so obscene because like like uh, trevor like as you said to start things out like they they they're totally unable to speak to not just the anger people feel but the hate that they feel, the oh, hatred no, that they all. feel yeah. for the fucking cops and like the people who fucking kiss their ass and support them or or, or want to do their own vigilante violence against protesters. And it's just like he's just he's just sort of like he shows up at these times to just sort of like make sure that like, you know, we, we, we tamp down on that. And, you know, like it just sort of try to redirect all that energy into, yeah, like into voting for Joe Biden. And, yeah, you know, yeah. Like getting, getting the bad man out. And what was interesting is they never mentioned uh, Biden or Trump, but they just kept saying vote. He did say vote like a bunch of times, but you know what vote means. Vote means. Uh, yeah, yeah. Y- yeah, yeah. If he said, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm going to vote because I think uh, Trump's the only guy who can stop this. You know, they'd be like, no, 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 don't, 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 don't vote. No, chill, chill. You know, he's, he's going to tell you and, not to vote. So, and like, so, I mean, just other, say the that. Other, the other insane, like, you know, Copaganda, or just like just a nauseating spectacle that I've been seeing recently, is just all these people using the example of Obama to be like, "This is what a real president is like." He would never gas peaceful protesters. And just off the top of my head, like I understand, like he's not as president. You're not like directly in charge of like every single local law enforcement agency in the country. But like just off the top of my head, there was Occupy Wall Street, Ferguson, Baltimore, Standing Rock in which uh, horrendous things were done to peaceful protesters to little or no consternation from him or his White House. Also, it's not uh, when they were directly in charge of like the actual crackdown on it. So this yeah, idea, also like, Obama also this had the idea, Blue like, Matter bill. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And not to mention Joe Biden, you know, Joe Biden's a whole history. But like, again, mm-hmm. it, it just goes back to this thing of like, you know, people are like, oh, like, you know, where, where are the Democrats? Like, where, where's our leadership right now? And like, the answer is like, well, in places that they're in power, they're sending their police departments out to fucking like uh, smash people's heads open in the street. Like, that's what they're doing. Yeah. Yeah. But Obama had the Blue Lives Matter bill, which uh, did a lot to help help cops. 
and it it did a lot to uh, protect protect cops that uh were were accused of things but then he he called it was funny everyone was getting mad at uh trump for calling for calling the protesters uh thugs but obama called the baltimore uh protesters thugs in 2015 and then that circulated and what i find interesting is the data that circulated there was this meme going on that showed the headlines side to side that was the first day he finally gave a statement and of course it was the most focused group tested statement ever but i think he just couldn't let the Doug comparison uh, hang out there. So I think he really said it mostly for his, for the optics, but he still didn't use the word black. Uh, George W. Bush uh-huh. actually spoke more directly and, and at length in his first statement than uh, Obama did. And then if you go to Obama's, I have so much rant in me right now, right? If you go to Obama's <laughs> page, the first thing that opens up is with donate and there's all these donates up to like uh, $500 in one shot or a monthly donation plans. And you could tell that the front page has just been whipped up like on, Last Friday, because it mentions uh, Ahmaud Arbery, Breonna Taylor, and George Floyd. So they just whipped up this front page right then and there. They got D-Ray and Campaign Zero out of mothballs. Uh, you know, they got him off his podcast. Too. And the same day that the town hall they, happened. They, un- they unfroze him like Stallone <laughs> and Demolition Man. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> they, they, they awakened the, the, the sleeper to... Uh, <laughs> get into action and the same day i saw uh bill simmons podcast uh d-ray was on for two hours and he was talking about the eight that can't wait and just saying everything on the obama foundation page and then um he was also on pod save i forget which one the the, the, the og pod save what, what is it pod save america yeah, yeah that's the original yeah, originally of course yeah yeah the, uh, the flagship, flagship of that, keeping the it 1600 before that yeah and then it was a gq article and it was about the eight that can't wait and they were all just equally vapid they all had the same vague talking points the closest that they come to saying anything is talking about uh the police unions but they still don't tell you how they're going to actually uh stop the police unions really because i mean you have mayor de blasio like, it just says, like, mayors come take the pledge and stop the police unions. But everyone knows how powerful the police unions are. But, I mean, Mayor de Blasio, they, they straight up doxed his daughter. Oh, and, they, just, yeah, they, they did that. Exactly that. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and he ate crow. So it's like, it's not that they don't know the police unions have the power. It's that they're scared of them. So, I mean, it's a nice, it's a nice little lesson to tell people how bad the unions are. But what is, I mean, unless you're going to tell people. And all the eight stuff, right? This is exactly what the eight stuff is going to be. It's going to be stuff that you actually, you know what? I think I can share it with you. Uh, I have it in a PD, I have it in a JPEG form so you guys can actually see it. But is this, this infographic that I saw going around today? One of which the infographics of like the, the solutions was a warning before shooting. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it was, uh, it was, yeah, you have to give a verbal warning that you're about to pull the trigger. Well, that's good because cops can't lie. So they would never uh, yeah. <laughs> just shoot someone and then say afterwards that they warned them. What, the, all of those ignore the real problem, which is that a police officer in, in the field with a gun is God. Yes. They have total power because they have complete power. And even more importantly than their complete power and discretion, they know that no one on the, on the fucking force will lift a finger or say anything about anything they do because of uh, their, their, the inherent solidarity among police officers. The blue, the thin blue line, and they always find instant workarounds for this stuff. Anyway, because look at the body cams; they found yeah, that, body cameras. Yeah. I was going to say that was the big reform that I remember out after Ferguson, and like the extent to which um, cops or even turn them on. All they do is create a record of events that, like that, that can be 
instantly massaged into the into a police narrative of like, oh, I was afraid for my life. It's kind of nuts to me that uh, that once they established body cams, one, they gave cops the discretion to turn them off and on on their own, and two, that they didn't institute a rule that if your co- if your camera's off during an altercation or uh, uh, any kind of a- accused excessive force thing, you're fired. Why is your camera off? If you if you if you like drive a forklift into a wall uh, when you're working a warehouse, they fire you. You know, it's like you get you most in most jobs you get like one significant fuck up and that's it. Meanwhile, there's a cop in Fort Lauderdale uh, who is in trouble now, in trouble for pushing a peaceful protester totally uh, un unprovokedly, who has had a excessive force complaint basically every two weeks. For the three and a half years he's worked for the department. Like, there is no job in America you could do that and not get fired. Okay, I'm looking at the the, the eight can't wait, and uh, the, the two that jump out of me are uh, require warning before shooting and exhaust all other means before shooting. It's like, what the fuck was the standard before this? Jesus Christ. Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, this isn't already, this isn't already the assumed training and shit. Yeah. This is, this is some radical uh, intervention. Yeah, so so he was getting coverage in Bill Simmons on Pod Save America and and GQ, and the interviewers are just wrapped and enthralled at like is how profound this is, and it's weirdly insulting, as if they're just kind of like one thing I've realized is liberals are as scared of unrest and change and violence as um, conservatives, but it's, it's like liberal solution is just um, pretend to listen. You know, to yeah. pacify you, as conservatives want to do what Tom Cotton did, which is, you know, call in the National Guard and become vigilantes. But it's all the same energy. Whether it's a GQ guy, Bill Simmons, or the Pod Save guy, they just want the ready to tell them, okay, how can we get the, na- the natives to calm down? That- that's all it is, you know, and they're just... Yeah. yeah. But the, I, think the, I think the fact that they're doing this, a lot of people want to point to this as, as proof that, you know, this, this whole uh, movement or whatever that whatever is coming into creation right now is is inevitably going to be co-opted and turned into toothless reform i mean they're gonna try and they're doing it right in front of everyone and what that should tell you is how threatening it is and and how there is an actual opportunity to to push uh for genuine conflict a a genuine break uh and if there wasn't there would not be this desperate uh wild need for for uh yeah uh 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 activist brokers like D-Ray and every woke brand to try to get ahead of it and massage it and make sure that whatever comes of it doesn't hurt their bottom line. Yep. Liberals don't want to change anything, but they just want to be seen to be listening. That's that's their main thing. I'm sure everyone sees that that they're listening. That's and if and, and that's where all these reading lists are going around too. Like here's an anti-racist reading list that you can read and you know, here's like 12 podcasts you can listen to and if someone put uh my podcast on there. I'm like, Yo, please don't do that. It's terrible. I don't. I mean, yeah. I mean, like, just to slightly repeat myself again, it's just like the just this is very much exposing the the not just the limits, but the the rot inherent in American liberalism because it, it, it's like that they can, they can absorb anger at the status quo or against official forms of authority. But they can only absorb it so much as that, like you said, Trevor, that like, oh, well, we hear you. I'm listening to this anger now. But like what they can't ever deal with is, as I said before, like hatred, a bone deep hatred in your gut born out of like 
painful personal experience that can't be ameliorated or reasoned with or reformed away. And it's just like hatred like that. That's that's Donald Trump. That That's the bad people. Only the bad people feel hate. And I'm sorry, like in, until they're able to speak to not just the anger, but like the hatred people have in, in their hearts for the people who have authority over them and just the generally r- rotten state of affairs in this country, like they are going to be caught flat footed, even if they win this election, because it's just like if, 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 if you can't offer people anything or you can't recognize that like that, that, that this kind of hatred is not something that you can re- negotiate with or that are, is actually justified that like yeah they, they have nothing to say they have absolutely nothing to say i feel in a weird way they're going to be almost worse off if they um win like for the long run because if they win in the midst of this i think people are not going to give joe biden remotely the same pass they gave obama like they're going to really be forced to kind of put their money where like just saying orange man bad you know or there's a cheeto in the white house like matt says is um they get a lot of mileage out of that you know that that's all once once uh dementia guys in the white house what are you gonna do then you know who are you gonna blame for white? Uh, it'll definitely be harder because uh, the, the obama's uh, giant con job of, of getting people to look the other way while they recapitalize the economy on the backs of uh, working people uh, was made much easier by his his mere existence as the first black president, and and the and because that was a tangible and real progress in this country that had a huge you know psychic benefit for a lot of people, uh, but it also covered for this disgusting uh, 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 cash grab. That's not gonna. There's nobody who's gonna be uh, getting representation. Uh, vibes from Joe Biden, except for maybe people in nursing homes. I mean, also, I, mean, don't I, I you think that, that, that don't you think that's like kind of the point of the Biden coalition and what they've done to the Democratic Party in the past four years? Like, it's a conscious choice to have the new Democratic Party be led by people like Rick Wilson, uh, Jennifer Rubin, people like that. It's a conscious choice to have Biden's voters. Like, one of the reasons Biden's Biden won, like everyone talked about, like older black voters and all this, but. A huge reason was suburban white voters. That was oh yeah, they came out reason. in huger numbers and, 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 and reconstitu- reconstituting the Democratic base to be more suburban white people who don't you don't owe the only thing you owe them is hey you don't have to watch the news anymore. That's kind of it's by design that it's like this. Yeah. And, but and the problem also- is that's not going to be an option no matter what because the news is still going to be interesting even with Biden in the White House. Right. I mean, I mean like the Biden the Biden campaign is just a different it's a different form of yeah. make America great. Again. Just this, is, this election is make America great again versus make America great again. And all those things about how Trump is like a perfect reflection of America. Trump is like a absurdist reflection of America, but the America more people recognize is Joe Biden. It's the guy who sucks at his job, who's done, <laughs> but he's done it for 40 fucking years. So he gets to be the boss. Yeah. Uh, and his make America great again is more tangible to like sort of more liberal leaning or centrist leaning white people. And I mean, like I think, I I mean, that's the thing. I think it's going to be like his base will stop paying attention. A lot of his base, but a lot of Americans won't. So I don't know. I don't know what the breakdowns. Yeah. Be. Biden's make America great again is really achievable. It's just kind of like better things aren't possible. Let's go yeah. back to where it was four years ago. I mean, Trump, <laughs> Trump actually has pretty radical plans, even if they're not radical left. I mean, he's talking about building a whole wall. Like, 
he has like some bombast to his vision, whether it's realistic or not. Like, like, hey, I'm just gonna ban Muslims altogether. Like, Biden's like, I don't know what the most radical thing he's proposed is, but I haven't. Well, re- well hold on. Clearly, though, uh, th- there's an article in the Post the other day that this has rattled the uh, Biden campaign, and they have decided, at least, this is what they leaked to the Post. That they are, and maybe it's all just bluster to, to, to hope maybe that'll help tamp down things. Uh, but if they don't get tamped down, they're going to have to move forward in, in some way with the plan. Is that they're, they're planning to scrap that whole let's go back to 2016, uh, uh, America's already great thing, and they're going to try to lean on transformative change. But I mean, I don't know how the hell you make that kind of a gear shift yeah. after you got the nomination. Uh, by browbeating the very notion that anything yeah. can change in this country. No, Matt, like, you're going I, I, uphill. You're going uphill in a rickshaw with. Yeah, that. no, I, 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 mean, I have definitely noticed that's that 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 rhetorical shift as well, which is cutting against entirely. You know, the, the, uh, up, like throughout the entire primaries, the whole message was, uh, you know, nobody actually wants a revolution. Certainly not like you know average Democratic voters. And now I've seen a lot of like not not even official Biden surrogates, just sort of like liberal media journalists and columnists start writing things in the last two weeks. And especially now that um, these protests have, be, be, have, you know, like I said, spread to all 50 states in the country. They're all writing articles now that say things like uh, for all his flaws and awkwardness, like Biden, it might just be the man that we need for the job right now because he shows a fluidity and a willingness to change you know, his position. And again, all, all you have to know because he forgot it all. You, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but even if he was capable of remembering what he what he <laughs> believes or thinks from moment to moment, Rahm Emanuel is going to be in charge of implementing any of these even tepid reforms. What does that tell you about, like, how up to the moment he is now that, like, if not his chief of staff, but certainly one of the very high up people in his campaign and his administration is going to be the guy that helped cover up a police murder of a teenager in Chicago. And, and, and like one, one of the things that they're kind of banking on, because Matt mentioned about the, uh, they can't use Biden for representation, but a lot of people, they're browbeating him and badgering him to get a black woman VP in there. And that's the last thing I want, because I do not want a black woman to be forced to just pick up uh, his fumbles all the time and, have to ruin like like for example on uh, Simone Sanders, what she has done to herself in constantly being an apologist for every racial uh, bungle that he does. Like I don't really want to put a black woman in that, in that position to have to just uh, you know he, he he's he's talking about he wishes he, he has some kind of Jim Jim Crow flashback or something. And she's got to explain it away <laughs> to the media. Like well, the sad thing is though is that you know they're going to be lining up because hey, it's VP, yep. VP to a dying old man, which means you have a better than usual likelihood of actually becoming president. Mm-hmm. Who the hell? Uh, what in the sick, diseased world of American politics does not, at the end of the day, want to be president? The worst thing you can want to do in the world. But like to to Trevor to Trevor's point, maybe the perfect the perfect person to put in the position of answer for Joe Biden, just put his son there. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. 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 I mean, that is what the VP job is going to be unless he dies. Yeah. That, it's just going to be that because it's just you're never going to see him and it's going to be that's the person you ask. It's like, why haven't we seen the president in two months? Why, why did the yeah? Why did the president use like a toddler's busy box to try to call Finland? <laughs> why, like, why did why why did why did the uh, why did the president uh, uh, ask for Estes Kofauer to come into the White House? Why is the president not wearing uh, pants? Yeah, 
and, and I want all those questions answered by a wild-eyed hunter with a fucking eight ball lodged in his nostril hair. Yes. I mean, and Hunter, Hunter is also the perfect representation of America because every guy like Joe Biden has a son who has a drug problem, but is like, yeah, I think I, I fixed my drug problem by doing yoga. <laughs> That's us. I, uh, That's us. All right, I, I want to talk about I want to talk about Tom Cotton, but before I do, I just have I have one last piece of propaganda that I want to bring up that I, I I've I've really uh, perversely enjoyed over the last couple of days. Is like uh, obviously, like you know, we've mentioned there are just just hundreds of videos of yeah cops driving their cars over people, fucking shooting tear gas in people's houses, firing wooden and rubber bullets at people's heads. Uh, so what the cops have done to counter that is come up with their own uh, images of like the violence that they're facing. And I forget which police department did it, but it was just four photos. And they were like, these are some of the things that were thrown at our officers tonight. One of which was a small collapsible umbrella. And then my favorite of the weapons wielded against the police. One of them was just a can of beans. Someone threw a can of beans at the police. And then I was just like, Dude, you like you you have guns. Like you're you're shooting shit at people. Like, and then I just love the idea of like uh, someone throwing an umbrella at them. And I'm sure that, no no one threw that umbrella. Um, that was just an umbrella that was left on the street after that they like attacked people or like maced them or whatever. But I just and then there was another really funny one of like this is the injury sustained by one of our officers today, and it was just a close up shot of the biggest baldest head I've ever seen, and it was so close up that I could not even tell what part of a head I was looking at i was like is this the back of the head is this the top and it just looked like they had a rash from wearing a fucking riot helmet all day but i just love it this this oh the cops are so victimized their 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 lives are so in danger by their shit like as they're literally killing people in the streets something else you mentioned at the top you were talking about how you have to go on twitter to see all these bad images of um the cops doing stuff to people like that woman standing still and just hitting her but when there was looting and violence against cops, that was all over the actual mainstream oh, yeah. news. And what I find like, really interesting is there's all this talk about how violent the protests were in the beginning, violence, you know, and then scolding people, which makes no sense to me. Like, just when is the point of a protest to make the people that you're protesting approve of how you're protesting? It, it just defeats the purpose to me right there. But all these cops saying, like, um, this is not the right way to protest. If you want to um, upset us, this is the right way to do it by doing exactly uh, what, you, what we want you to do. Like, you know, it made no sense, but the media was running with it. And then now that the protesters have had less violent incidents and we still have a nonstop stream of cops just beating everybody every day and hitting them with rubber bullets, the media is like, you know, third day of peaceful protesting, you know, the protests have gotten really peaceful. And it's like this weird thing where the cop pro- the cop violence just doesn't count somehow because it's yeah, almost nope. an indictment of how normalized it is like you know like oh everything's yeah. peaceful again it's just the cops uh, beating the shit out of everyone again it's not no actual violence like it doesn't even count as <laughs> yeah. violence anymore and it's like no matter how many cops are doing it it's forever bad apples but every time one protester was caught looting or or setting something on fire it was indicative of basically the whole protest the whole protest is a giant riot now yeah, I mean, and just moving on, like I said, I want to talk about Tom Cotton because, like, this this is turned into like this week's um, media controversy, which is, you know, I mean, jack off motion to infinity. Uh, I mean, like, I, I I can't even really get mad at the New York Times because, like, my expectations of 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 them are so abysmally low that they can't possibly 
do anything to shock me at this point. But, you know, they, they let Tom Cotton write an op-ed piece in which he advocated for um, sending in the U.S. military to quell what he refers to as a violent insurrection. Um, and, you know, I mean, and, then, and now, like, there's been this sort of, like, pseudo-revolt of time staffers who are, like, openly criticizing um, uh, James Bennett and, uh, and, and their paper for, for, for printing th- this op-ed. But, like, I've also seen just as much, like, media rank closing. And we've seen a lot of this recently. But I've seen so many people, like, just, like, I've seen so many people try to say, like, look, you know, this is the purpose of an op-ed section is to, like, publish things that you may not agree with. But, like, it's important because he's an elected official. And it's just, like, first of all, they're letting Tom Cotton, they're they're allowing Tom Cotton to write this article demanding that troops be sent in to, to stop this as a cover for their own beliefs, not to not to promote his beliefs, but like Trevor, it's like what you were saying about like liberals hate any kind of unrest just as much as conservatives, and I think like they're allowing Tom Cotton to give voice to things that they're too scared to advocate for, but yep. also they're allowing Tom Cotton to cover up his own beliefs because he this started with a tweet thread where he said that pro, like that the protesters should be shown no quarter, which means that they should be killed in America by our own military. And he didn't mention any of that in this article, but like I've just seen so much of this I, this bullshit idea, and like James Bennett justified it by saying like you know it, it's not you know it's 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 our role as like a forum for viewpoints and the news to publish uh, points of view that some some of our readers may find uh, upsetting or even dangerous, and I would be fine with that standard for a newspaper op-ed page if they applied it to literally anything other than Tom Cotton. Because, like, I could you know, off the top of my head, I can think of a million points of view that would be considered dangerous and upsetting to not just the readers but the editors of the New York Times that they would never in a million years publish. Like, they would never have an op-ed. They would. They would never let uh, Felix write the "Give Iran a Nuke" op-ed. They would. They would never do they, that. They would never like. Uh, they would never touch Israel. They would never touch like anything. They'll they'll allow criticism of like U.S. empire, but within very very constrained guardrails. Like the right, and the guardrail the guardrail is usually like we're conducting empire inefficiently and sloppily. Yeah, yeah. That's usually the framing. Um, uh, but, but yeah, P.E. Like, Moskowitz. P.E. Moskowitz has a pretty good uh, book uh, about free free speech. Like there is no such thing as free speech, and you know it's basically about how free speech only seems to matter when it's something that. Um, I like, you know, but uh, soon, soon as, soon as it's something I don't like, like for example, all those um, MAGA guys who hated, who are talking about free speech, you know, I should have the right to say the N word, I should have the right to um, shoot a black person on my lawn, you know, even that counts as free expression. So uh, Colin Kaepernick takes a knee, and you know, the same people talk about cancel culture and free speech, you know, want him uh, gone, and you know, the book was talking about how we should just get rid of just the, this whole talk about free speech because nobody really means it. Everybody has something. Uh, it was called uh, the case against free speech. I'm sorry. No, everyone who says they have are either for free or for free speech. They always have a limit to it. And, and I'm just saying that in regards to Bennett, like his whole thing about is it just like you said, he doesn't really believe that, that we should, ha- uh, it's his place to give everything a platform as long as, long as it's well argued out, you know, even if it annoys his reader, because like you said, once it annoys him, like Israel, he's not gonna he's not gonna do it. And I really wish that was something that people would just stop falling back on this um, 
pseudo free speech thing that doesn't exist anywhere in America. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 a standard that they would never hold themselves to in a million years. And like, you know, I I bring up Israel as like a main example, but like also would they would you know they, they would they would they would certainly publish an op ed like you know calling for stricter reforms on police departments, but they wouldn't publish an op ed just saying fuck the police. It's okay to shoot them if you want to. They would they would never do that in a million years. Like they would never publish an op ed that says shoot back or anything like that because they would consider it too socially irresponsible to do so. But well, I mean, even even in the confines of like le- like they won't even really have like an unabashed like Trump view, but like everything is yes, yes, sort of, absolutely like, brow horseshit. Like the pro Trump guy they get, like Tom Cotton is pro Trump, but it's very notable that that's the pro Trump guy they and, get, and, and like the guy who was. A fucking complete neocon who adjusted to MAGA world yes. to retain relevancy, but they wouldn't have like, you know, who would be like more representative of MAGA world, like someone like Gorka, yeah, or some other yes. fucking idiot, yeah. Like and, it, it all has to be this middle brow horseshit, and, and and like they regard themselves like they're yeah. they're 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 operating this this high minded salon which like engages with like the the best of every viewpoint, but like their own standards for like conservative intellectuals is so abysmally low and tokenistic like Brett Stevens is their fucking guy. That's how fucking dumb and lazy they regard the average conservative viewpoint in this country. Because like a it doesn't even reflect the actual conservative conservative points of view of like held by the vast majority of like right-wing voters or or people in this country. But like it it it, it it's conservatism filtered in like massaged into a chamber that is both uh stupid and doesn't actually challenge or upset what they really believe. Like no, like no yeah, one who runs like, the New York Times would be genuinely upset if the military started imposing martial law to stop these protests. Right. I mean, they would only give a shit if it was like. I mean, they're all everyone's kind of J-pod. Like if it prevented the pursuit of opera retreats. But uh, I mean, like I would, I would fucking read an op-ed section where it was like, yeah, our columnist, our Norman Finkelstein. Like John Pedoritz, Hassan Nasrallah. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I would. That would be awesome. Where it was like actually representative of every every extreme of uh, viewpoint. I'm actually. I mean, like, I'm pretty for the most part like anti getting people fired for posts. Like, unless it's like I'm gonna fucking kill somebody or like you know just genocidal or whatever. Yeah. Uh, unless it's that. I mean, yeah. I guess. I guess he's right. Everyone does have a limit, but it is. I mean, it's almost trite to say at this point, but like, who was canceled like Norman Finkelstein? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Where Alan Dershowitz. Career. Alan Dershowitz took time out of getting massages to make sure <laughs> that he wouldn't get fucking tenure. Like, no, yeah, it does typically and, go one way. And the thing that is very the funniest because I I'm I'm always a little annoyed that these the when these uh, storms blow up because. It's kind of funny to me that the part of the New York Times that people get mad at is the op-ed page where the bias is actually right out in the open. Yeah. I guess that makes it easier for people to agree on what's happening when the real insidiousness of the New York Times is in the actual fucking news articles. Uh, but their insistence, the insistence of people that we need to maintain an openness to ideas as though the Internet has not made it so that you can get any stupid idea to your face at the click of a goddamn button instantaneously like like that anybody's uh that anybody's uh connection to the realms of thought and high 
and high idea is predicated on what they read in the New York Times op-ed page. It's just a signature. It's just a way for these guys to fucking not have to have real jobs. No, it does not contribute to any sort of grand, uh, grand dialogue. There is no dialogue. There's uh, 330 people screaming at the top of their lungs and not listening to each other. I, I do. Yeah. I, I want to read a little bit from the the, the Tom Cotton piece, though, because there there are some there are some there are some choice uh, nuggies in here. Uh, so, of course, like the 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 headline is "Send in the troops. The nation must restore order. The military sounds stands ready." And uh, what I love about this, you know, died in the wall neocon like Tom Cotton, who's like basically only goal in life is to start a war with Iran and China that other people will die in. Um, what I love about this is that, like, ever since that we withdrew from Iraq, he, like, he's just, his wife hasn't been able to fuck other people enough, so he really wants uh, our boys to get deployed again in America, because I think that that's what really, that's what he's standing ready for. Some townie with a gram of coke can just, like, you know, move right in there. We're deploying the 101st Jody Division to every army base in America right now. Yeah, and- every guy, every guy that has a Y in his name or an A should be. <laughs> He's going to take turns. <laughs> so he begins here. He says, This week, rioters have plunged many American cities into anarchy, recalling the widespread violence of the 1960s. New York City suffered the worst of the riots Monday night as Mayor Bill de Blasio stood by while Midtown Manhattan descended into lawlessness. Bands of looters roved the streets, smashing and emptying hundreds of businesses. Some even drove exotic cars. Does anyone know what he's referring to? Exotic? What, like so, a Batmobile? He saw, he, <laughs> yeah. saw, he, saw, he saw a Prowler and was like, that's the coolest fucking car I've ever seen. <laughs> he said somewhere, uh, so they were driving exotic one. cars. He said, the riots were carnivals for thrill-seeking, for the thrill-seeking rich as well as other criminal elements. Uh, I, 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 have a theory, I have a theory about the exotic cars. I think, like, trying to get the narrative he's trying to do, I think he's trying to say, these are like trust fund um, elite kids. I always have to imagine uh, the word Jew is never far from their mind. So, you know, maybe they mean like, because I saw that, that near, the NYPD cop, when he said they're bringing in people from California, in my mind, yeah. I was yeah. thinking he wants to say Jews, but he can't say Jews. <laughs> you, you, you know, but I know it's part of the old narrative that, uh, that like, uh, for some reason, these guys always think Jewish people are like agitating and overseeing uh these things so that's my thought it, it, yeah most jewish people just are having allergies <laughs> that's what's usually going on uh, uh this next sentence is really great though he says outnumbered police officers encumbered by feckless politicians bore the brunt of the violence really really tom no, they're the ones they're who the instigated cops the, violence. Bore the brunt of the violence well but the thing is is that it it's a question of legitimacy the uh, a violence meted out by police officers isn't violence Violence is uh, is done to police officers because they're legitimate state agents of violence. So anything they do is justified if you believe that they have the authority to make those decisions in the time, which guys like Tom Cotton and, frankly, most people have some sort of uh, vague understanding is the case. That means that violence is not equal. Yeah, it, and- exactly. That's the reason why the, the, all the news stations are now calling the protest peaceful now, even though the cops are still beating the shit out of everyone because they mean that the protesters have stopped. Um, yes. acting up and also like his whole thing about oh like Manhattan devolved into anarchy uh, that, that fucking uh, Dan Crenshaw was like New York City is in ruins right now and it's like <laughs> no it's no it's not 
it's obviously not. And like on Monday night, there was a lot of looting in Midtown Manhattan and Soho. But like that just doesn't show like, by the police, by the yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. But like, but whatever. Like it just it, it gives you their perspective of how they see cities and how they see New York, where it's like the city itself is like Saks Fifth Avenue and a stretch of like very high end retail in a part of the city where literally no one lives. Like that's the city, and like fucking oh, Megan McCain tweeting in to be like, I I stepped out of my house and it was like the the streets were like, it, it, you know, yeah, it looked like Beirut in the eighties or something like that. And then it turns out that this dumb bitch wasn't even in New York City. She was like, well, I was just, <laughs> right, well, well, I was just looking at it on Twitter like everyone else was, and well, it's just like, well, that's the thing. Like every every conservative, like their Manhattan is just like the M M&M and M store. Yep. That's where they like made all their memories. <laughs> yeah, the M M&M and M store in Times Square. The, the, well, that's I mean, what they've been doing for twenty years. Turning it into that, and now it's some cons- now it's going yeah. away, and they're horrified. For some conservatives, it's a site of family trauma. It's where your child escaped. That's where <laughs> yeah, calling him an awful fat boy. <laughs> the the, uh, the historic but, green M M&M and M has been defaced by protesters. It's now saying, yeah, a, yeah, yeah. It's now saying a cab. If you guys remember the old carpetbagger, the the old carpetbagger stereotype. You know, if you look at all those old political cartoons that he's having in the South, it was always this kind of fancy dandy type of guy who was coming down and rounding up uh, the ex-slaves and and the poor whites and trying to get into labor unions. And I think that's what the exotic cars, the, the Anifa thing is all about. Yeah. You know, they're trying, trying to make it sound like these guys don't even have any real problems. It's just a, it's just, it's just a bunch of bored, uh, bored board, board yeah, privileged white people. But I, th- I think what, the the political class is late is the slowest as they always are on the uptake on this is that 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 number of privileged white people yes they might have relative privilege but their sense of that privilege is shrinking along with everyone else's at a stunning rate that nobody had anticipated and that is changing the the dynamics in a way that people are not ready for like after the Minneapolis after the second night of uh, of protesting in Minneapolis really popped off and. And the cops, as a strategy, allowed that to happen because they thought it would cow everyone and give them a justification for a a crackdown instead of people being like, okay, this has gone too far. Oh, my God, they burned a police station. People said, holy shit, they burned a fucking police station. Let's go. Because there is a a uh, uh, cross-racial disenchantment with any kind of institutional legitimacy in this country that... They have not reckoned with and are still not aware of. And, and I'm sure right. I'm sure any fancy car that's on the street probably belonged to like a new gentrifier who was in one of the new condos that went up. And he was probably like one of those liberals hiding and, you know, agreeing with Tom Cotton as much. Like, I don't think the people on the street, the people on the street look like people who like like white people have three roommates, you know, and are downwardly mobile themselves. Like, like, what, like what Matt describes, like it's not this... Uh, like if there was an exotic car in the street, I'm sure it wasn't attached to the protesters that I saw that were angry. I mean, like I, I like I. The interesting thing about what Cotton's saying is, Cotton is someone who, yeah, went to elite institutions his whole life, and then like just went to another country as part of a resume building exercise. He joined the army for that. Like, isn't that just the exact same like upper middle class adventurism? Bullshit? Yes. Well, yeah, yes. you can. Everyone, yeah, you can find. You can find like the the most. If you wanted to, you could find somewhere out there in the protest, even though it isn't 
broadly representative of either the composition of the protest or like really anyone at all. But you could find, yeah, probably like the most annoying stereotype, like all those Benny Johnson posts, like, oh, he's listening to Justin Bieber in his skinny jeans and going to Starbucks and he says end capitalism on his iPhone. Like that guy probably exists, but it's like it's that he's committing the same adventurism that Tom Cotton has, but at least he didn't join the fucking military to do it. Well, and the exact what you, same fucking impulse. But and they're trying to use that stereotype to demobilize people by making them conscious of their race or class privilege ver- versus right. people who have it really bad in this country. But that b- is less potent as your relative privilege erodes as well. And, and, and what they hate I mean, about these guys too is that they love to bring up, oh, look at you, um, fancy people, whoever it is uh, in the in the stereotype, whether it's the middle-class adventurous, whether it's the uh, Jewish guy overseeing the whole scheme, whether it's the uh, white NPR liberal. But for all their talk, um, when that person's not around to scapegoat, they're not doing shit for the poor person either. It's not like they actually have this high regard right. for the poor person, which I find so funny. Like, uh, like I've never seen Tom Cotton really do anything speaking out for... You know, they're always saying, like, don't, don't let these elite people manipulate you, but they have no actual outreach to the people that are trying to warn off from the uh, so-called elites that they say are. And they're the all elite, too. Cotton went to Harvard. Josh Hawley exactly. went to Yale. Fucking yeah. Tucker Carlson. Like, like, this bullshit fake dinner air. Yeah, and you, you actually brought it up. Like the, um, I mean, we talked a little bit about it, but uh, like how they'll always bring up like, oh, well, um, you know, how come no one rioted for like this poor white guy that was killed by the police? And it's like. You didn't. Uh, you didn't say anything about it until now. Yeah, exactly. Until you could use it to just fucking beat down black people with verbally. Like, no, yeah, exact same fucking thing. So I'm just imagining exotic cars again, and I'm just thinking of someone driving the Oscar Mayer Wienermobile through the front door of Bloomingdale's. Be like, come and get it, boys. Wieners for everybody. We're not I waiting. Do, when I was a kid, these streets are ours. When I was a kid, my dream was driving an Oscar Mayer. <laughs> in a riot. Did yeah. you know that you have to have a college degree to do that job? Yeah, yeah. You actually had to go to Yale. That's why uh, Josh Hawley went to Yale. Because that was originally what he wanted to do. Um, and I'm, then he was like, oh, uh, I have to take care of China. And stuff. Yeah. Um, uh, just the last thing <laughs> I want to... ride the Wienermobile later. The last thing I want to read from the Tom Cotton op-ed is like... The, 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 actually, the worst part of it is when he... Um, he uses um, historical examples of governors mobilizing the National Guard to justify his call for um, sending the troops in. And he does it. He says, um, in these circumstances, the Insurrection Act authorizes the president to employ the military or any other ma- means in the cases of insurrection or obstruction of the laws. And then the examples he uses is, for instance, during the 1950s and 60s, Presidents Dwight Eisenhower, John Kennedy, and Lyndon Johnson called out the military to disperse mobs that prevented school desegregation or threatened innocent lives and property. Where it's just like, he's trying to make it seem like what I'm calling for is um, actually I'm supporting civil rights by sending in the military to um, violently suppress a uh, civil peaceful protest against police brutality and for civil rights. I mean, it's just like he's it's like this is what I mean about the times is like their standards are so low that they can let they, they, they just let him make an argument that fucking obviously fraudulent in the pages of their paper because they don't fucking care. They don't care how stupid his point of view or how poorly thought out or how offensive it is, to like even a basic understanding of history is. They have they have yeah, utter contempt just, for their readers. This is just so shoddily done. Like this is just there's 
just zero effort going into this at all. This fucking sucks. Uh, no, I think I think to a degree, I think they actually kind of don't mind this option existing, even as a second option. But they can't be the ones to say it because they're supposed mm-hmm. to be kind of above that. But they, but like you said, they're they're as afraid of this as um as Cotton is. You know, he's a nice shield. Yeah, I think. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. I think that's why they're letting him voice the point of view that they wouldn't put in an unsigned editorial, which is that the state needs to use whatever means are at their disposal to to stop this civil unrest. Because all the liberals who say they're against uh, calling in the army now would change that opinion if it kept going. Like they want that as a back pocket option. They 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 assume it's there as a back pocket option. Mm -hmm. If they're upset with cotton, they're upset with reminding them of how far they're willing to go. There was a- well, that, that is the difference between Trump and Biden then, because with Trump, you have to wring your hands and be like, I don't know if I want this if he sends in the military. With Biden, you don't even have to think about it. You're like, yeah, fine. Yep. You just took the duty mm-hmm. of thinking about it away from me by sitting in the military. Thank you. Uh, something else interesting, there was a basketball player. And this is something that's interesting as far as showing the class, the class divided this because this is a black basketball player. I can't remember his name, but he was all cheering on the protests and the riots and stuff when it was um happening downtown or um, among the among the pros or whatever but um a couple of days later um it started happening in his kind of gated community and then he was tweeting all over the place like hey stop i don't know about all this i think i think those new york times editors are kind of like that even if they don't like what you were saying even if they don't want the last resort now uh if it ends up in their backyard it's gonna be very um palatable to them to have that happen and i I mentioned it on the last show but like if if these people became convinced that like the longer this goes on the more likely it is that trump will be reelected uh there's Mm. nothing they wouldn't countenance they they would drop a neutron bomb on new york city tomorrow if they thought it would like you know, t- if it, we get Joe Biden across the finish line, or like he was in any in any danger of losing this election, they, there's nothing that they wouldn't support. I want to ask you guys a broad question, and it might be too broad to put at the end, but I'm generally curious about it. What is it about Trump losing that's so important to them? As far as like, what is it that they're afraid they're going to lose? Like, because I don't really think they really believe in anything, as far as I can tell. So I don't, I don't really know what it is. Like I'm just saying, if you're like a Latino immigrant or you're um, LGBTQ, whatever, or you were just maybe you were a rich white guy, but you really cared so much about social justice issues, like you were such a real deal ally that you don't want to see these people hurt. But I mean, these people don't really seem to care about um, minorities and gays or anything outside of their class. They don't really like. What is it about this that makes them so fanatical about it? I don't think that they actually do care about defeating Trump as an as a goal. I think right now and throughout Trump's presidency, the idea of him being removed as the ultimate goal that all must other uh, must be sacrificed to is a rhetorical weapon to prevent anything from uh, getting too out of hand, mm-hmm. from anything getting too radical. Like that, they, that it, it has nothing to do with the actual goal of defeating Trump. Building up defeating Trump is the only thing that matters. Makes everything else uh, uh, subs- uh, subservient to it. it. It's just a way to. It's it's the way that they beat Bernie. It's the way. It's the way that they're going to try to reduce this uh, this uh, up, uprising. That, that that it's there to to make other people 
uh, stop caring about anything other than beating Trump. Because what does that mean? Beating Trump requires you to sit still and listen to your betters as they tell you how to beat Trump. Mm. I think, Even, yeah, despite them being the ones that lost to Trump. Yeah, I, you know, I I think like you know, if you were if you were to pose this question to like um, you know, just the it's it's inten- imagine like intended target. Like I think. I think the answer that they would come up with is something that leans heavily on like the specter of like the Third Reich. That like in a second Trump term, he's going to be really even more unfettered in his racist authoritarianism, and like you know he's he's really going to start sending people to the camps, right? Um, but like you know they're they're most. I mean, I'm not saying that's totally unjustified, but like they he, they mostly are doing that shit right now, and we're, we're for the large to a large degree doing it before he was president as well. But I think, like, like psychologically, like deep down inside, like that the emotional core of it is, I think, protecting their own their their own safety and comfort and and place in a meritocracy in America from the realization that like this is a really rotten country that like rewards stupidity and evil at every fucking level. I think it's just like it's 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 the one fig leaf they have left of like holding out this idea that like America has had problems, we're bad, but we've owned up to it, and is like can still be good and like is a like it is a country where like goodness is rewarded and like therefore that their material wealth and comfort is is justified in some way yeah i would um i would say that like for the highest level levels of liberal media i actually don't think they care that much like i don't think that the executives of msnbc or the board of the new york times cares all that much but i would say if you went a little bit lower uh it is I think there's a pretty universal thing in the liberal coalition that they're directly telling you that they uh, would like to stop paying attention to all these things. It's just yeah. the trauma of reading the news all the time. Yeah, it's just things have gotten like too openly weird and fucked up, and like they they yes. would prefer not to have to think about it or like not to be the desire to feel normal. And, like, again. Yeah, they, they, they don't want to be confronted with it at the, the intensity or frequency with which they have to, 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 to deal with the reality of what this country truly is. And then the fact that like Donald Trump does represent America in, in, in a certainly in a, in a certain way, he is an authentic represent, maybe not a democratic representation of America, but he does essentially represent like the character of this country in a way that is, upsetting to think about and that like that you know if we just had a better i mean look at with the ease with which that they've started um rehabilitating george w bush or every yeah. other republican president or, or, or politician that's come before donald trump it's just like it, it's sorry i mean i i can't i can't finish my thought there but um matt, I, I mean, matt made a good matt made a good point when he came on uh on on my show last week where he said how all these people that we know now uh, he discovered them in the 2000s as bloggers, and they all made their names just basically um, bashing Bush all day. And, and now they're all establishment writers and editors who are the biggest re- rehabilitators now on on Twitter and in in think pieces, you know. And the whole rise did, came from Bush bashing. Yeah, and and then, yeah. and also it's just it, it it also, and I think this is really important too. It is the it is the inability to break out of like how conditioned we are to this like two party political system and and a kind of like a two party morality as well where it's just like the, the, as long as the republicans exist like the democrats can never ever actually be evil or like they, they can never actually be like actively antithetical to your life and the things that you hope to see well, or achieve in this comp- country everything is things only have uh, a a nature to the degree that it's in contrast so if there's a worse party 
and there's only two, then they are good because, I mean, they might still, there is no absolute. There's only relative. And so if the Republicans are worse relatively, then they are by definition better, which stands in for the good option. I think I think something else too. I think when you uh, hinted at this, but I think the longer the caricature of evil of Trump is there, and they can't stop him, it's going to radicalize people more as far as considering another option. Because 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 look at how badly they botched 2016, and how much stronger the Bernie side of it was by the time 2020 came along. Like I think if they fear if he if they lose to him again, how much more radical are people going to get from that? Whereas I think they feel Biden will kind of pacify people with a, a lukewarm because i've seen some like i saw some like straight up boomers get get jokerified from 2016 you know <laughs> people i would never have thought yeah well there was a moment right after 2016 where like even like john lovett would be like i can't believe it like i believe them when they said they could do it they didn't they fucked it up they were like open to all these things that was like a two-month window and then it was like Oh, uh, actually, there's like Russia stuff. Uh, now the thing that I, <laughs> yeah. I care most about is is the integrity of NATO. Okay, see ya. But like, I don't know. It's hard to quantify these splits. I yeah. think the left retained a lot of those people immediately after 2016, and then lost more people. It definitely picked people up. That's undoubtable. Yeah. But uh, I mean, we'll see what kind of breakdown you would get a second time. I don't know. I mean, a second time. A second time would be interesting because. The liberal domination of culture now comes from Reagan. It comes from Reagan completely breaking the back of the Democratic Party and causing every liberal to be like, oh, well, we're really shitty at politics, so we should just retreat to culture. But they already have culture. What would ha- like what, what do they what do they get into now? Like Roblox? I, they get into Lego? I mean, maybe what it's the like, fuck do you do? Where do you go? I was like, maybe it's like a pop psychological thing, but I, I really think like a lot of like politically engaged or like the voters in this country on the right and the left just essentially look at politicians like their parents or they're looking for, they're yes. auditioning a new parent figure, be it mother or yeah, father. And I, I just think at the end of the day, like psychologically, like it, the hardest thing to admit is that you've had, you had a bad parent or that like they didn't love you or that you don't love them and that like they actively fucked up your life and didn't like, didn't keep you safe or like, you know, uh, betrayed you or like yeah they're, they're not there to help you they're not helping you they don't like you they don't fucking care about you and i think like with the dem- like the democrat brain shit is like people cling so tightly to that because to admit the truth is just so psychologically devastating otherwise that like that yeah like the people that you put your trust and hope in and like you counted on to keep you safe not only didn't do their job but like actively weren't interested in even trying to begin with so I think we should leave it there. Uh, we've, we've gone pretty long today. Um, we do have a little bit of a house cleaning to get to, but uh, before then, I just want to thank uh, Trevor for joining us today. Um, the show is Champagne Sharks. Uh, please check it out if you haven't done so already. Yeah, and check out the YouTube. Check out the YouTube too. Just search YouTube for Champagne Sharks. We've been I've been using the quarantine to like really alleviate boredom and, and vlog a lot. So yeah, check that out as well. Uh, we will include uh, links to both of those in the show description. We'll also still include the link that will, uh, like the, the the bail fund that will let you um, split it between like thirty or forty different bail funds. I think is a good one because a lot of the ones that get a lot of um, uh, 
they get promoted very heavily. What happens is that very quickly they immediately have more money than they need and they have to start directing it elsewhere. So I think it's like the, the big, like the one where you can split it among like a lot of different bail funds is a good one to, um, consider if you're looking to, uh, give money or, or support, um, the, the protests going on in a way other than, um, physically showing up. And I would encourage everyone, if, if possible, wherever you are, luckily there is a protest going on in every single part of the country. And if you can do it, please, uh, please just show up if you can. And if you do, please be careful as well. Um, and just, yeah, stay safe, uh, stay strong. Um, and then uh, before we leave you today, we have a little bit of uh, intra-house cleaning to do. So I'm going to turn it over to Chris. Hey, everybody. Uh, Chris here. Uh, I hate to do this kind of ticky-tacky uh, business stuff. Uh, <laughs> right now, but uh, I, as you may have already seen, I believe Patreon sent out a note about it starting July 1st due to international, various new international and national laws. Our premium content and your subscription have become a taxable good. And starting July 1st, Patreon will be instituting a minor sales tax on pledges for various things and goods. And we are very happy with the arrangement we have with you, the subscribers, that you send us $5. And in addition to just generally supporting the show, you get access to our premium feed, and we want to keep it that way. So starting July 1st, we will have a new tier that you can subscribe at at a lower level. I'm still trying to to figure out exactly where it's going to be, but starting July 1st, you will see a new tier to subscribe at for a lower cost that will be considered our tax-inclusive pricing. And the price that I will put that at will hopefully mean that if you are affected by the sales tax, uh, you can subscribe to that. And including the sales tax, the price for the pledge will still be $5 or less a month. Uh, I hope that makes sense. Honestly, we would just lower the price for everybody uh, if we could, but you can't change the pricing of a tier after you've created it on Patreon. So new tier, if you're affected by the sales tax, uh, please feel free to port over to the the lower tax dodge tier starting July 1st. That's the announcement. Okay. Well, um, until next right. time, everybody. Um, yeah. Just uh, like I, as I said before, stay safe, stay strong, everybody. Uh, we'll be back with you soon. Cheers, everybody. Bye. Bye. Thank you, for you are him, and he is